Well, once again, the holiday season has rolled around, and people are saying, where did the year go, right? Already there are stores that are filled with all the Christmas decorations, and children are wondering what they're going to find under the tree, and the parents are wondering how we're going to pay for it, right? You've already thought about it. Don't lie. You're thinking about, well, hell, how much can I put on my credit card, or if I should buy it that way, or whatever else. These days uh, that we live in now, Thanksgiving is basically like a preseason holiday, something that you do just to get in shape for Christmas. We eat, we sleep, we watch a lot of football, and we don't stop now until about the end of January, right? When it comes to all the football, that's a shame. Because the art of thanksgiving, to give thanks, to stop and give thanks, is the one, one of the things that separates you from an animal. We stop and we give thanks. Thank you is one of the noblest things a man can do. There's nothing small or trivial about saying thank you. It's acknowledging that we've been given something that we did not earn, nor did we deserve Happy is the man who understands that all of life, physically and spiritually, is a gift from the king. And ultimately, we know spiritual life is the greatest gift of all. That's why the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. We'll look at that verse in a little while. In everything, give thanks. When we can't do anything else, we can at least stop and be thankful. To be a grateful people, as someone once said, if you can't be thankful for what you have received... You need to be thankful for what you have escaped. Can't you say that this morning? Now, with that thought in mind, I would like to give you a, offer you a Thanksgiving message. I began to think about terminology, and you start looking at words like Thanksgiving. Uh, it is the, the, the noun Thanksgiving is eucharistea. The verb form to give thanks is eucharisteo, with that verb ending. And you start looking at that category of words and you start thinking about thanksgiving. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, we we saw the conversion of Paul. And we learned about what a brand new Christian looked like. And so I thought, wouldn't it be a great thing just to look at Paul's theology of thanksgiving? Don't you think we should learn something from one of the greatest Christians, perhaps the greatest Christian that ever lived, about what does it really mean to be thankful? Or to say, I give thanks. So what I want to do today is present to you Paul's theology of thanksgiving. Peter O'Brien says of Paul, Paul mentions the subject of thanksgiving more often line for line than any Greek author's pagan or Christian in the history of the world. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? We consider an author mentioning Thanksgiving, whether it's a Greek author or a pagan author, it doesn't matter to consider using that terminology or that word group. For Paul, it turns up 46 times in Paul's letters, and it appears in most every important uh, context of the letters that he wrote, all 13, with the exception of Galatians and Titus. You know what the cure for ingratitude is? It's to understand the grace of God. If you ever truly understand God's grace that's been extended to you, then you will not be able to help being a grateful person. The theology of thanksgiving or a theology of gratitude ought to shape your world view. It should drive you to an authentic response 
to who our God is and the grace that has been given to you through the Son of God. So let's track Paul's theology of thanksgiving as a vital part of the Christian's life. We're going to do it in two ways. First, we're going to see how Paul actually models thanksgiving for us in three ways. How does he model it for us? If you're going to be a thankful person, then others ought to be able to see that you're a thankful person and model that and live it out in life. So Paul models it, and then Paul is going to exhort us in how to be a thankful people, or what should we be thankful about. So that's what we're going to do this morning. First, Paul models thanksgiving as the way of life for a Christian, and he does it in three ways. First, he expresses gratitude for the believers and the churches. Now, I'm going to look at a lot of texts today. You can try to turn with me if you want to, but I'm going to be turning faster than you are probably. Most of them will be marked, but please write down the Scripture references. Uh, Brother David supplies notes out in the foyer every time you walk into the church, and I'm preaching. You can grab one of those. If you did not get one this morning, please get one. Are they out there, David? You can get one as you leave and hold this and keep this. Uh, through the Thanksgiving season, and note these verses. I won't read them all, but first note how he models it, and he does so with his gratitude for believers and churches. Romans 1.8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Now that's going to be a constant refrain as Paul starts every one of his letters. This is At the top of his mind, as he begins to write a letter, he opens nearly every epistle with an expression of thanksgiving. Again, that primary word, I give thanks, eucharisteo, right in the middle of eucharisteo, eucharis, is the word grace. Oh, is that a mistake? That in the middle of that phenomenal term, thanksgiving, is the word charis, which is the Greek word for grace. We call that cognate words. They're conjoined words, and together you have thanksgiving, and you also have grace, which tells me that if you've been graced by God, you better be thankful, right? So he puts that awesome word together. Romans 1.8, he thanks God for their faith that is proclaimed throughout the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Jesus Christ. The fact that Paul begins the Corinthian correspondence with an expression of thanksgiving should be a reminder that even if I've got bad things to tell you, I should always be thankful that you have received the grace of God no matter how bad the things I have to tell you about you are. Right? Do you all know anything about the Corinthians? Isn't it awesome that he calls them saints? But whoa, what a troubled church. Divisiveness, brothers suing brothers, uh, men uh, doing uh, sexual promiscuity, uh, arguing about who has the greater gifts. Man, this church was a mess. As a matter of fact, when I start thinking bad about you guys, I start reading Corinthians and I feel a lot better, right? (laughs) But just think. Think about the magnitude of giving thanks to God even in the midst of knowing he's got to deal with some tough subjects all the way through the book of Corinthians, and yet he starts it off thanking God in Philippians. I won't turn there, but you see the 1-3. He says, upon every remembrance of you as the people of God, I am 
giving thanks. Can you imagine what Paul's intercessory prayer life looked like? Here he is praying. The very first thing he does is when he recalls the people that God had saved and are surrounding him, he gives thanks to God with very first words out of his mouth in nearly every epistle is to thank God and to have gratitude for the people in his life and the ones that he is praying for. I didn't list this particular verse. I kind of stumbled over it after I had submitted the outline. But look at 1 Thessalonians, how, this, how it all comes together. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. Isn't that awesome? How that Paul has this model of thanksgiving for all of us. And he is expressing the thanks for the people of God. I didn't mention Ephesians or 2 Corinthians listed out as Paul expresses thanks for churches and believers. But he uses the terminology in, first, in Ephesians 1.3. He says, blessed be. And then in 2 Corinthians, he uses blessed be. Well, that is a Jewish description. The blessed be is an expression for praise in the greater context of thanksgiving. And even though he doesn't use thanksgiving, that particular term blessed means that giving thanks and praise are inextricably connected together. So when he says blessed, he is praising God but it's out of his thanksgiving to the Lord that he does this. Do you think the Bible has this motif through it? That all of our praise should come from a thankful heart to God. What a lesson to all of us. How do you pray and what do you think about when you are praying to God about believers? And about churches, the church family. What should be the first thing on your mind and heart as you reflect and go to the God of eternity to pray should it not be, God, thank you for my fellow believers. Thank you for churches in our area that are holding forth the truth. And thank you, Lord, for our missionaries like Kyle and Katie overseas. And you began to think about people and began to pray about them. And uh, I want to remind you that they don't have to be stellar saints. Because I know you're not. And neither am I. Okay? You don't have to be a stellar saint for you to stop long enough to let that person be an object of thanks to the king for saving that person's soul and for that person being a part of your life. So Paul was always thankful for people and churches in his life. That's the first thing he models. Secondly, he expressed gratitude for his co-workers. And Romans chapter 16, all I have to do is flip over. Listen to chapter verse 3 of 16. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Paul not only expressed thanks for people in churches, but he expressed thanks for his co-workers in the ministry. Number three, he expressed gratitude for the power of the word and the gospel in the lives of the churches. First Thessalonians. I've already heard, I noticed that you've already given up because I don't hear any pages turning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Notice this great verse. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men. Isn't that awesome? You didn't accept it as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. 
which is at work in believers. So Paul begins to pray for the Thessalonican people. And he has in his heart an overflow of thanks. Why? Because when he preached the word of truth, and when he preached the gospel, they received it not as the word of men, but as the word of God. They didn't sit there and say, well, that's a pretty good opinion, preacher. Everybody has opinions. They're like noses. Everybody's got one. No, they received what was preached as truth and the word of God. Occasionally, I'm asked the question from some of my friends around the U.S. or down in Alabama or over in Georgia or Carolina or wherever they are. Well, how are things at FBCO? And it's a joy to be able to say, I'm so thankful for a congregation that eagerly receives the word of God. That's an awesome thing to be thankful for, right? Because in light of eternity, it's only God and his word that can affect change in your life. So it's a great thing when we are listening to the word. Second Thessalonians. Same verse reference, but in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, you had1, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, now 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this He called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he puts together truth and the gospel like the point I've given you. So he adds that not only your reception of the word was awesome, but it actually proved that you were elect of God when you did receive the word. And Paul is praising God for that. They were certainly those among them. There were certainly those in that church family among them that had problems. You all agree with that? There were some of them that were a drain on the church. Some of them were not serving. When you get to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he's, man, he's exhorting them. You know, don't despise prophesying. You know what that means? Don't spiritually yawn when the preacher's preaching. You know, who cares? No, there were people who were a drain on the church. There were people who were high maintenance. There were people who were causing difficulties. Yet Paul is overwhelmed with gratefulness. Because of the grace of God that was manifested in their lives through the gospel of Jesus. So no matter what we are dealing with in terms of another brother or sister in Christ. No matter how difficult the situation might be. We can at least stop and thank God that the grace of God is operative in this person's life. We ought to all do that. The gospel is changing their lives. Now might we make a commitment this week of Thanksgiving to start off our prayer modeled after Paul. To be thankful for the believers. To be thankful for co-workers in the ministry. To be thankful for how God's people receive the Word and how the Word of God is working in the lives of His people. Now that's the first point. That wasn't too hard, was it? I got a lot of time to do the second one and I'm going to need it. All right, Here it is. We are exhorted to be thankful. And to express thanks. Not only is it modeled by Paul, but we are exhorted to be thankful and to give thanks. Here's the first one. Here's how we're exhorted. Thanksgiving is an expression, or thanksgiving is a part of a Christian's new nature. In other words, if you're saved, you will be thankful. 
Okay? It's part of your nature. Ephesians 5, 4 says, I'm adjusting my eyeballs and y'all been making fun of me. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. It's part of your nature as a child of God. Colossians 3.17 is an awesome passage of Scripture. Colossians 3.15. The Bible says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. When God transforms you by His grace, He does something inside of you. He gives you a sense of gratitude for what He has accomplished in you. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfectly grateful all the time. That's not what that means. But there's, but why? Because there's remaining sin in everybody in this building. And sin causes you to whine and complain. I don't understand why I can't have what my neighbor has. I need that boat. I need that car. We began to whine and complain. In our new members meeting, I talk about we have JCMs in our church and we have GCMs. GCMs are grumpy church members. JCMs are joyful church members. Folks, when you've been saved by grace through faith, all the work of Jesus Christ, you can't help. When you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, you ought to be labeled a JCM every day of your life. Joyful church member. It's actually a contradiction of who you are if you're a murmurer and a complainer. God didn't make you that way, right? He didn't make you that way. Colossians 3.15 is just awesome because notice the connection. It almost seems like it's hanging out there with no meaning. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called into one body and be thankful. Now, why, why is it that he tags one body with and be thankful? Because it can be difficult living in one body, right? It can be difficult in a church body to... Uh, We've got problems. Why? Because we have people. But what the admonishment is, is to be thankful. How do you combat being rubbed the wrong way? Get your neighbor back. Figure out how you can plot and get them back with vengeance. Now, folks, the best way to combat when somebody rubs you wrong is to be a grateful person. To, have a person, to be a person of gratitude. When we are grateful people, it makes, it makes life together a little less bumpy. No amens? It does. You know why you're not saying amen? Because you don't practice it, right? When you get rubbed one way, your response is not gratitude oftentimes, and mine is not either. Now, Colossians 3.17. Y'all read this verse lately? And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, the Father, through Him. Does that have any significance in your life as you get up to go to work in the morning? Are you going to be thankful in the morning when you go to work? Does it have any bearing? What does the text say? In everything. Word and deed. In everything give thanks for this. Of course, according to that text of Scripture. And whatever you do in word or deed. That pretty much covers the whole gamut. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he adds this participial phrase. Giving thanks to God. And of course, you know 1 Thessalonians 5.18, right? Y'all know that verse? Yeah. Give thanks. 18 says, 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. As a pastor, I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and said, Pastor, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. And I'll say 99.9% of what God's will is for your life is written in the Word of God. You don't even have to pray about giving thanks. You're commanded to give thanks. This is clearer than if you're single today. This is clearer in the will of God for your life than who you're going to marry. Because this text says, this is the will of God for you. Don't you wish you could see that in there for you single guys and gals? This is the will of God that you marry this person. Wouldn't that be sweet? Yeah, you're not going to find it like that. There's another one. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Here's a no-brainer. You don't have sex until you're married. That is the will of God. Period. Don't come to my office and say, Pastor, I'm having these uh, thoughts of, of shacking up. I'm going to tell you, you're a dummy. And the Word of God says you're out of God's will if you do it. All right? Amen. Come on. But when it comes to thanksgiving, it's not an option. It's in all circumstances that we are called by God. This is the will of God for you to be thankful. All right, number two. Thanksgiving results from experiencing God's grace. Colossians, let me just read one verse. won't linger on this a whole lot. But as I'm turning, I want to remind you that the disciples, at one point, Jesus sent out 70 of those guys. And they come back to Jesus and they say, Lord... Even the demons are subject to us. And Jesus says, you better not boast about the demons being subject to you. You better thank God that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Aren't you thankful that you're saved? That you know Jesus? And here's what it says in Colossians 1, beginning in verse 11. The Bible says, May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. That's what God has done for you. Why to give thanks? Not simply because it's our nature once you're saved, but also because you've experienced the grace of God. Number three, thanksgiving is a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And yes, guess where we're going to find this? In Ephesians chapter 5. Let me read this quickly to you. The Bible says, Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he's going to give you what I would call prepositions of result. Uh, participles of result. This is what your life's going to look like if you're filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. You see those four participles? That's what your life's going to look like if you're filled with the Spirit of God. You're going to be addressing one another, singing to one another, giving thanks and submitting. Does it say anything about speaking in tongues if you're filled with the Spirit there, right? I'm telling you, what's sometimes uh, it is more supernatural to give thanks than it is to you, for you to think you've got the power to walk up and blow somebody over like Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland. It is more supernatural. No evidence in Scripture whatsoever in Pauline theology 
that an evidence of being filled with the Spirit is speaking in tongues. Tongues is a gift from God that I personally believe uh, has ceased. But the fact of the matter is, that the issue here is, this is clear from the Word of God. If you're filled with the Spirit, you will do these things. Dressing one another. Submitting to one another. Singing to God's glory. And here's the big one. Giving thanks. I mean, it's an evidence. You say, well, pastor, you may say, am I filled with the Spirit? Or are you filled with the Spirit? My question is, are you thankful? Are you in the continuous pattern of being a thankful believer? Notice how awesome this is. It results in being a worshipful person and a thankful person. If you're filled with the Spirit, you'll be a worshipful person and a thankful person. Prepositions turn the world, right? Especially when you're reading the Bible, New Testament. You remember what it said over there in 1 Thessalonians? In everything give thanks. Well, pastor, I've got an out. I don't have to be thankful for everything, just in everything. Well, what does this text say? Did y'all see it? It says, for all things. You know, it is the Lord God Almighty that directs your steps and your life in order to give you the adversity you're facing so that in the end you will be thankful. Look, if you didn't go through those difficult times, you wouldn't learn to be a thankful believer. James says this, consider it all joy when you go through various trials. Now, who does that? Who considers it joy, right? Isn't this something you have to preach to yourself? You have to stop. David said this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Folks, that's just called good old preaching to yourself. You have to do this often, don't you? Just stop in the midst of complaining and murmuring and the whole world's falling apart and just stop and say, I'm going to thank you, God. In spite of the circumstances and for the circumstances. You know why? Because you got a father that controls all things. It wouldn't be happening if the God of eternity didn't allow it. So in the midst of that, you can be thankful. It's a result of being filled with the Spirit. Thanksgiving should be a major part of our prayers. I won't read the verses, but Philippians 4, 6, Colossians 4, 2, 1 Timothy 2, 1. That's what he does. He starts off his prayers by thanking God. God for who He is. How often do we make our requests known to God with thanksgiving? Now, we're very good at making our requests, aren't we? But how good are you about doing it with thanksgiving? Thanksgiving ought to be a major part of our prayer life. I might say that, can we even call it a prayer life if it's not a prayer life of thanksgiving? Is it even possible, remotely possible, to say we have a prayer life that doesn't have Thanksgiving as a part of it. When Nat and I were kids, we grew up in a youth group. And we learned this acrostic. And the acrostic is acts. How many of you know that one? You should, if you've been around church life. A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's just good old teaching, right? Just to have a prayer life where you adore God. You confess your sins. But you give thanks to Him. How about our children? They mimic the way we pray, don't they? And from the time I was a little kid and I listened to my dad pray and my mom and people around my church, something that stuck in my mind was just to begin a prayer by saying, thank you, God, for the day we have. Isn't it? I mean, just to stop and say, Lord, I just, how many kids do you hear when they start their prayer, they just say, Lord, I want to thank you for this day. That's good. That's a good way to pray. Lord, just thank you. For the day. It's a good way to start. Number five, Thanksgiving should fill our worship. Let me read this one. 
chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 16. Love this verse. Similar in uh, Ephesians, but listen to 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So thanksgiving ought to fill our worship. Now, as Paul writes this, is this based upon... Is the gratitude based more upon the content of the song or the manner of the way you're singing the song? Y'all didn't even pay attention to the verse, did you? Yeah? That verse, singing hymns, psalms, making melody in your heart to the Lord with thanksgiving. What is the emphasis on in that passage? The content of the song or the manner of your attitude when you're singing it? It's the latter, isn't it? Now, that's not to say that good theological songs are not vitally important. I mean, I can get excited thinking, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. That's good stuff, right? We, we want to hear good content when we sing a song. But folks, there's something to be said about you gloomy gusses in here that you come in and you never sing to God because you don't have a heart of thanksgiving. The manner in which you address God is important. You know that, don't you? And we ought to be, look, it says express those songs in the manner in which you do it is with thankfulness to God. The manner we offer it up is of profound significance when it comes to our God. You ought to do so with gratitude. Number six, thanksgiving should be the result of our prayers. Now, this is a little different. The first one said it ought to be a major part of your prayer life. This one says that thanksgiving should be the result of our prayers. I really like this one, so I'm the preacher, and I've got to let you hear this one, okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Just notice how Paul says this. What an awesome passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 1.11. Here's what the Bible says. You also must help us by prayers. Track with me. You also must help us by prayers so that many will give thanks on our behalf. Y'all see that? Help us in your praying so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. This is an amazing passage of scripture. I can't go through it all. But after he says, God has delivered me and will deliver me, he turns right around and says, but I need you to pray for me. You got to help me with your prayers. He didn't assume uh, that he could just walk through life with apostolic gumption. And didn't need the prayers of the saints. He's asking for the prayers of the saints. But the reason he wants them to pray for him, them is so that in the end, when they're blessed by God, people will stop and say, God, you deserve the thanks. Y'all see how awesome that is? I mean, you're praying. And you praying for others. Paul says, if you pray for me in the ministry and all these things take place, what's going to happen in the end? People are going to turn around and thank God that he answered the prayers. Now, that means something to me. Uh, Just think about this for a moment. Helping others through prayer. I think it underscores the importance of making our requests known before our brothers and sisters so that they know how to pray for us. To make these requests known. We certainly want our God to be thanked, don't we? Hello, Tokyo. Y'all listening? Don't we want our God to be thanked? Okay? Well, let me just go ahead and tell you something I don't like. 
I don't like silent prayer requests. I, I remember growing up in church, and we'd take prayer requests, and, and uh, Mr. T.C. O'Connell. Remember that, Natalie? she in here? she in ETC? I haven't seen my wife. There, there she is. I've been looking for her. I hadn't found her. I thought she laid out. But Mr. T.C. O'Connell would come up on Sunday morning, just the dearest man, and he would ask for prayer requests, and he'd say, any unspoken requests? People raise their hand up, unspoken. I don't like that. You know why? Because I believe in, a, I believe in the end, it short circuits the glory of God. Because you're too stinking prideful to give your prayer request because you don't want people in our church to think you're a little less spiritual than they are. Get over it. We already know that you're less spiritual than we are. Right? I'm just kidding. Look, we know you've got needs. We know you're not perfect. We know you have difficulties. So let the request be known to one another. You know why? Because it rebounds to God's glory when he answers the prayer. We're a community. We're a family. Get over your attitude of, oh, I can't let anybody know this. What did Paul say? Help us with your praying. I told you I like that point, right? Yep, I'm in it. Okay. You need to enlist others in your praying, folks. We need each other. We're a needy people. And I'm not talking about hanging out your dirty laundry. I realize there might be certain issues that you, you don't want to say. to, But, folks, we're just too prideful. We're just too stinking prideful. And I guess we think things are just going to work out without the prayers of the saints. But God uses, he works his will in relation and together with the prayers of the saints. I don't know how that works. I'm just telling you what God does. Okay? So we need to be praying. Number seven, thanksgiving should be a result of our generosity. Well, we're getting close to the end of the year, aren't we? Have y'all been tithing? Oh, you knew this sermon would come around to that, didn't you? No, I'm just kidding. Chapter 9. Verse 11 of 2 Corinthians. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Folks, when you're a generous person and a giver, and when you give to the needs of the saints, and then the saints have their needs met, God Almighty is thanked. By the way, let me give you the verse for all of your giving. Verse 15 in the same chapter. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. You know what that inexpressible gift is? It's Jesus Christ. All of your giving should be a reflection of what God gave you. God is the gracious giver. Thanks be to God. God is the gracious giver. Jesus is the glorious gift. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. And our glad gratitude should be the response. Thanks be to God. And number eight, thanksgiving is to the glory of God. In the same book, 2 Corinthians 4, 15. We say that around this church, don't we? Our purpose is to glorify God. Well, notice how this works. 2 Corinthians 4, 15. The Bible says, for it is all for your sake, that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving. There it is. He puts grace, charis, eucharisteia together in the same verse. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Isn't that beautiful? It is. So, in essence, thanksgiving increases the glory of God. And Paul puts grace, 
together. In other words, grace makes us grateful. Gratitude is joy toward God for His grace. And the more we minister, the more we see people come to faith in Christ, the more we extend the grace of God, the more people become uh, like Jesus in their life and loving God, God is thanked and God is glorified. I think we can sum up thanksgiving with one word. We can sum up gratefulness with one word. Y'all know what it is? Grace. Right? It really is. That's what sums it up. When you see God's work of grace in your own life, it makes you grateful. When you see God's grace operating in the lives of the people in this church, it makes us grateful. Our whole attitude should be one that is shaped by thanksgiving. I meet people in this church often, and I'll say to them, how are you doing today? And they'll say this statement to me, better? Hey, that's a pretty good statement, because you're right. You nailed it. You are doing better than you deserve. We all are. What a great statement. May God help us to be graceful and grateful as a church family. A life filled with gratitude is an awesome argument for the reality of Christ and the life-changing power of the gospel in this fallen world. You know, Romans 1.21 says that the end of reprobation is that they were a thankless people. They didn't thank God. Boy, isn't that true in the U.S.? I mean, how many times do you watch media on TV, the news? And do they ever stop and thank God? No, they're not going to do that. But folks, that's the height of reprobation. That God created this world and saved souls and we don't thank Him for it. Read it. Romans chapter 1 verse 21. Well, if you're a grateful people, what an awesome argument to the reality of Jesus Christ in this world living in you. This week, we'll gather with our families and friends for Thanksgiving. On a personal note, I want to thank our God that we still live in a country where we can have freedom of worship. I'm not sure that's a good thing, but I'm thankful for it. Because at least we're not told we can't worship. Okay? One day that may change. I'm thankful to live in a country where we can worship. I am thankful for Christian parents. I'm thankful for my Christian grandma. That's 93 years old. She will be this December up in Georgia. I'm thankful for her. I'm blessed beyond measure to have a wonderful family. Thankful for my wife and my four children. Three of them in church today. One of them in church, but in Alabama. I'm thankful to God for that. God is so good. I am thankful for First Baptist Church Ozark. Uh, God has blessed me here at this church with a sweet fellowship and a great staff. Amen? No doubt about it. I am very blessed and thankful for them. Uh, I am thankful for the opportunity to, to come together with this church to serve people and to reach the nations for Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful most of all the fact that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Instead of counting your problems this month, let's count our blessings. Name them one by one, right? Let's pray. God, you're good to us. And Father, uh, the theology of thanksgiving, God, I needed this study. Lord, I didn't consider myself a ungrateful, but Lord, we can easily fall into ingratitude. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Grace makes us grateful. God, I pray in this time of invitation that maybe we'd spend some time on the altar or right there in our pew and just thank you.
Thank you, God, for your indescribable gift of your Son. We did not deserve it. We did not earn it. Salvation is a gift from you. It's a free gift. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And we thank you for it. Father, I pray if there's one person in this room that's lost, God, would you intercept them before it is everlastingly too late. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.